What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I got some stuff for you. Oh, do tell. I've been writing. We haven't chatted. Tell me more. First order business. Next week, there's going to be oh, yeah. questions. Yes. So you can call in between nope, noon. we call you. We call you. So we're going to put a, we're gonna put a form <laughs> in the description. And between 12 and 1 p.m. Pacific time on next Monday, we will call you. So please don't put your, your name in unless you can be available in that window. But and we'll, we'll call you we'll chat. and we'll answer your question. Or chat if you have something that you sure. want to tell us. If you have, yeah, if you've, if you've got something you want to respond to from the podcast, whatever it is. Cool. So, man, where to begin? Here's what I have. School's back. Okay. Right? And I've been having nightmares. I keep thinking that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in school. Dude, I, I had a nightmare this week about being in school. You, I realize it's my most common nightmare yeah. is that I'm trapped in school. What was yours? So I've had a bunch of them, but they're always related to this feeling of being stuck in school. And I was reflecting on what the end of August felt like as a kid. Mm. I don't know that I've ever felt more dread in my life. <laughs> as you look forward, I was in the I was in the elevator, and you know the kid who lives on your floor, who's he just went into sixth grade. You know the guy. There's a little kid. He always tells us his story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry. Yeah. Currently, he yes. lives on my floor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's the most talkative little guy. He's, he's a cute yes. little guy, and. He said, hey, how's it going? I said, first day of school. Oh, how is it? My teacher is so strict. Like, I wasn't even doing anything. And she, yeah, I was like, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, whatever I'm experiencing, whatever difficulties I have in my life, when you're in sixth grade and you got a strict teacher on day one, that's interminable. Yeah. That's an eternity of suffering. And I And I reflect back and I was brought to these feelings of, being forced to go to this place that I hated and with the teacher that I maybe didn't like, I got anxious. Yeah, you're so funny because you and I are so different. You hated school. I liked school. Yeah, I did I not. I didn't know any better. It never occurred to me I'd be doing anything else. I had, where all my friends were. Oh, I did. I remember vivid memories of looking at that clock in high school, yeah. the, the red and just watching the minutes go by so slowly, man. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, 
I'm not a big fan. I'm excited that we're in education, though. It made me realize that there's this whole alternative way of sure. learning, and I'm and I'm. You know, people write us that all the time. I know you don't look at a lot of the mm-hmm. course comments, but like in uh, Christian University, a lot of people will write in yeah. like, "I can't believe this wasn't taught in school." Like yeah. they're like they're not pleased that they were learning algebra and calculus instead of it's how awesome to interact that, with people. Well, it's awesome that people want to and will pay to learn because sure. that concept. I I remember I. I loved reading, but the love of books was beaten out of me with Charles Dickens. I didn't mm. touch a book for years yeah, after Great Expectations. That was it. <laughs> and it's so cool that people want to pay to, to learn these days and, and are interested and engaged. So I'm, I, I've, I've thought if maybe we want to do something for, for the younger crowd because I, I think they suffer. And, I, and I, I don't know that it's fair to, particularly at the age of 14, 15, 16, 17, to treat them with this compulsory, you have to go into this education system Mm -hmm. that is 200 years old and is teaching you things that are likely not going to be useful, practical, and are behind what might be more fascinating and useful to you. So, If you do want to help kids, I get emails from teachers sometimes. Stop swearing. Man, because they want to play our videos. Teachers are like, hey, I really like this video. Can you please ask Charlie not to say the word because they're 11 and they're not supposed to say that word. I'm like, I can't rein them in. Swearing is such an odd thing. I like because, okay, take the F word, right? It's got a fa and a cuh sound. And if you but if you go cuh and then a fa, you have the word cuff, which is a handcuff or it doesn't mean anything. The the revulsion with which we react to a word, particularly out of context. Oh, you said he said right. Therefore, this is an awful experience. Doesn't the intent matter more? Isn't it about the hate with which I might say something that you would be more? Not when they're eleven, apparently. Not when they're eleven. You just don't utter certain syllables. But also, when you go abroad, you know, I see you in Portuguese. We know this is means. (laughs) Oh, coup. If you say coup, coup, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I swore to, now it's definitely demonetized because none of this is, is occurring to YouTube. But yeah, you can't, that's a bad word and people laugh. Is and, it spelled C-U? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I actually think it so is. So in our course, it's, it's translated to Portuguese, which it no, is. No, because it's going to be Universidade G. Oh, good. You gotta use good, one. so a different yeah. logo. Yeah. That so. would be hilarious. You, yeah. So, whatever. School. School sex. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this video on Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's he's an interesting dude i would like to get him on the podcast okay i want to talk to him shia if you're watching hop on come on in bro but no i i relate to him he talks about how he had his he had the even stevens then the transformers spielberg phase and now he had the whole plagiarism thing and has been actually doing hit indie movies mm-hmm. like winning sundance winning south by southwest or getting awards yeah, he did one recently with a guy who has down syndrome yeah right? yeah peanut butter falcon um, you watched the interview he, watched, i'm gonna totally derail you but yeah shia's description of what it was like working with that guy is so awesome yep i forget who he's talking to strahan whatever interview whatever i included it in the video did you yeah oh should i not spoil it no it's fine it's in there this is going to come out around the same time okay it's so awesome to just hear him talk about how this kid greets the world at he's like when he meets you he loves you 100 percent, and you can lose love yeah you can he can learn to dislike you yeah but he starts at it's awesome to meet you Mm -hmm. it's awesome that we're here yeah everything's awesome and hearing Shia, who's a multimillionaire, famous, whatever, and and obviously didn't interact like that, have learned that from a guy with Down syndrome that he had a movie with. I was watching. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's. I definitely have a clip like that. I'll make sure I get that, considering that you saw it independently and liked it. it the, the point that I make about him there is, well, there's a couple of ones. One is that he's very comfortable being, being open and vulnerable. Like, he will just admit 
to personal and moral failings, which are scary to say, right? Like I greet the world in a closed off way or did up yeah, until yeah. a week ago. And I treat people in a way that I'm not proud. Like that's tough to say on national television, but there's a lot of other things. What I, I was really interested. He talked about his connection with the work that he does and how, when you make transformers indiana jones you have to appeal to this mass audience for something like that to be successful in the game that it's playing mm -hmm. and i feel the same way with our videos man yeah. like i have to make these mass attractive videos which are which are appealing and by their very nature what he says is they lose their specificity you can't hone in on the most unique things because that excludes other people sure. that might be interested. It's got to be on confidence writ large or impressions writ large. And I feel I feel his his feel. I want to go be an indie YouTuber. So <laughs> that's keep, this, bro. That's this podcast. Yeah, that's this podcast. I get to make stuff that nobody likes, but maybe we'll win Sundance. Some people do like it, dude. <laughs> the, I actually, that's, I actually it's, like it's, it's dude, very the similar. audience hates when we say that. <laughs> I know. They're, I know. They're always like, I like. It. I, I am a person. <laughs> hey, I want you guys to know that I love you guys. You're real. You're real out there. The, those of you who listen you're the only watch. reason we do this is the truth i could talk to yeah. charlie without we, the camera we do on. no that is that's a really good point i it's not that nobody watches it a couple the thousand most important people. people watch it yeah that's the that's the new reframe i like that it's true that's how i feel yeah well i love you guys this is my new outlet i'm Thanks. done with charisma on command you heard oh, it here for <laughs> can we talk about this no it's over yeah next up bangladesh genocide that's an F of a transition. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So I just, this was on Reddit. Uh, it was uh, a map of countries that recognized the Bangladesh genocide, and there was one or two. And I looked it up. It was in the 70s. Have you ever heard of it? No. I never heard of it. I thought it was just incredible. We were talking about education before that I never heard of it. Uh, something like half a million people were killed. It was I mean, it's awful. It was a rape genocide, meaning that it was an explicitly condoned thing where not only did they kill a bunch of these people, that, like, rape was part of it. They were trying to, like, exterminate this racial group. It was brutal what and vicious. What does raping you help you exterminate? The idea being that you're the that all these babies are being had of the invaders, which I believe was Pakistan. But aren't you just going to kill the mom afterwards? No. They had a lot of babies. Huh. This is a weird genocide. Sometimes they killed them. Sometimes they didn't. They it was here's the thing. They're all weird genocides, right? Like, uh, the logic here isn't really adding yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they shouldn't have done this. Yeah, but what I I was you, you hear this about history, and I was another thread that was on Reddit was how is the American Revolution? Dude, taught in Britain? I saw this one. Fascinating. Zero, right? It's not taught. They don't teach about America overthrowing the british government in england which just makes you realize that history is a means of which you inculcate and control a population well, I'll, I'll toss one to you how much did you know about the vietnam war dude we breezed over that 11th grade we gulf of tonkin uh ted offensive it was in a couple of words done no, here, yeah okay we're gonna talk about world war ii yeah forever 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 okay i think vietnam war is the next major war is that right korea For america korea okay we didn't learn about that one either really. no but so then there's the Korean War, Vietnam. What do you know about the Vietnam War? Uh, North and South Vietnam, and we we were with the good guys. Yeah. Okay. Then you go to Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, dude, I went to the. V have you been to Vietnam? Yeah, it's dude, heartbreaking. I went to the war it's heartbreaking. Museum. I had to sit down. I got nauseous. Mm -hmm. I was. I've never been so ashamed to be uh, an American. Mm -hmm. I was halfway through the museum and I sat down on a bench, which is like I'm gonna throw up because this is so horrible. Yeah. Our schools didn't teach us about the Vietnam War. We're swearing a lot. <laughs> Whatever. It's already demonetized. It's demonetized. Don't even put ads on this one. So, We're not going to try. <laughs> so 
we didn't learn there were all of these cia interventions guatemala mm -hmm. the, the pinochet in chile there was what's this the guy in iran where bp wanted their, you're basically their, saying the education system is mostly a propaganda machine when it comes to history if not period i mean certainly when it comes to history and it's hard i mean it's hard to be a propaganda machine about like calculus well yeah you'd be surprised i would be surprised Tell you'd me be, more. well we can we could talk about it uh it that's that's a huge metaphysical thing We'll get into that in a different podcast, perhaps, because I don't fully understand all the implications. But I have heard people make the argument that math is often treated and the sciences. I mean, the science is a great example. Science is treated as this infallible thing, especially on the East Coast, where there's like superstition on the one hand and then there's the scientific science on the other hand. Mm -hmm. But what you're not taught in science is the scientific method as perhaps the best way of learning things. What you're taught is this is accepted by scientists. So really, most science is an appeal to authority as mm -hmm. it is taught in education. Secondarily, the scientific method only teaches you how things have worked in the past. It makes a pretty good claim on what will happen in the future. But just because a billiard ball broke every time at that angle in the past does not mean it will continue to do so in the future. So science, this is the whole Humean thing. Science takes past data and says, this is the rule, but you don't know that that's the rule until something else breaks. Mm -hmm. And so you can come up with a bunch of different theories. And, and the nice thing about science is that it then incorporates the failure into it if it's wise and smart and mm -hmm. it's not led by fallible humans who are stuck to their own theories. And they go, oh, wow, sometimes the eight ball swings to the right and we have to account for that. In any event, you don't learn the scientific method. You learn to respect scientific authority is what you learn in school. Back to history. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away, man. I'm blown away that this horrible genocide, and we're told never forget, and, and obviously 9-11 is an important thing, but I look at the scale of what has happened to America and Pearl Harbor and how critical that has been in my understanding of the world and 9-11, and, and the world is a post-9-11 world where I think between three and 4,000 Americans were killed in a horrible attack, and no one cares about the Bangladeshi genocide. No one cares about at least not no one no one in my education system cares sure. bangladeshi people care so it's it was eye-opening and uh just made me realize how much of my my understanding of history and the world and the way that things broke is inadvertently just a, a subject of propaganda well, we've talked about this though because every every country's population tends to think that despite its flaws its, it's country is one of the best yeah and that this could be partially wise because from the age of yeah. five, you're taught history only to the effect of making your country look good. Yeah. So as far as Britain's concerned, British Empire was dope. Somebody made a something joke. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> something happened. Something, something. There's no more empire. No, there's no more empire. <laughs> but it was pretty great. Yeah. You know? And when you're in the U.S. Do you remember you know... the first story of the Pilgrims and the Indians where they got together for Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made friends. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's what, what happened. happened until like 12th grade. And you're like, so there was this manifest destiny thing. Like it turns out there were a lot more Native Americans <laughs> than there are today. Yeah. Well, what I did learn, which I don't know if it's true. And it's so interesting because I studied in Costa Rica for a period. And the history you get is completely different than than it is. Obviously still America focused, but whew, they're not big fans of the colonizers. You focus on the war crimes of Cortez, and yeah. all, they weren't war crimes at the time. There were no war crimes. It was just brutal of Cortez and Pizarro, and all. I mean, it was it was a massacre. It was horrible. But yeah, man, history. What are you right. gonna do? So don't. So 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 far on these podcasts, don't trust any major news don't outlet. Don't trust anything. Don't trust any major news outlet. Don't trust YouTube news, and don't trust anything you learned in school. Yeah. 
Cool. But tune into Charisma and <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely watch this week's episode of Charisma. So, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. That's a D. No, that's an F again of a transition. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, man. You guys can grade me. <laughs> <laughs> I want the transitions, and I want them graded in the Topic, comments. Transition. F, <laughs> F, 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 C. Which you liked it, right? They should probably thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was super funny. Yeah. There was the one thing that I mentioned to you already is that they had there was the Vice article which is now being commented on, which says that you shouldn't listen to it. It's transphobic. It's homophobic. It's it's phobic of of all these things. But I the the more interesting thing is it doesn't make any reference or claim to if it was funny or not. I was trying to look through this article. I was like, is the word funny in the here? Is the word? It, it's a comedy special. I get that there's a political narrative, but you got to touch on if you laughed. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is not, this has nothing to do with it. Everything needs to be viewed through this lens of oppressor oppressed. And, and that's it. Not of course, according to everybody, but according to perhaps a small gotta get clicks. minority of people. Yeah. I will say actually, cause I'm, cause I'm not in that community. I don't even, I don't even remember what parts of it would have been triggering. Like I remember, he said if LeBron played in the WNBA, he'd score. I remember, I remember a, game. a part. Uh, but does anyone fight that? Like that seems pretty. Uh, the Michael Jackson thing is upsetting. That's the... what I thought. That was yeah. the that was the one part where I was like, wow. Yeah. That's a big stand, Mr. Chappelle. Yeah. That's a big stand to take on yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah. But again, I think it's so important to be ups. I disagree with him wholeheartedly yeah, on that too. one. Wholeheartedly, I was like, I think that's a stupid perspective, and I'd like to talk to you about it, but it's a good special you know and i sure yeah i like, can move past it yeah yeah so that was my thoughts on that yeah that was the one part where i was watching i was like okay yeah <laughs> but you know what he's interesting he's got a great way and i think there's a comedic genius here of of starting with this political thing and then faking you out with the punchline and going at something that almost everyone can laugh at because what he while he did you know i don't think michael jackson did it his callback punchline was, if you're not careful, Michael Jackson's going to, you know, like he kept then implying that Michael Jackson did do it, yeah, yeah. you know, which is he has a very clever way of 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 hitting both sides or like taking a third punchline. I don't even know how to describe it. I'll have to break him down. I think I think Dave Chappelle's higher level principle is he immediately recorded the special, went back to Ohio. Yeah. Doesn't have social media. He just doesn't care. Yeah. If everyone is up in arms about his Netflix special, he might not know Mm -hmm. unless someone texted him. Yeah. Like he has just got a big plot of land in the Midwest and he doesn't really want to hear your opinion about his special. Yeah. Which I think is how he has saved his sanity. Well, you know, I I think he has, but there's that extra featurette, which I don't think you watched, and no, he talks. No. He's very aware of what's said about him. You know, the New York Times said this. The New York Times said that I am I am uh, encouraging white supremacy or encouraging homophobia or encouraging this or encouraging – like, he, he's aware. I don't know that it breaks him down or upsets him or whatnot. Have you heard him talk about his Trump thing? No. It's hilarious. So he mm-hmm. went on – I think it was SNL, and he gave a monologue about something that was supposed to be funny. And then at the end, he's like, by the way – Trump just got elected president. Like, let's just give the guy a chance. Let's just see what he does as president before we say anything. Everyone's already hating on him. Let's give him a chance. And he said the next day it came out, like, Dave Chappelle is (laughs) pro-Trump. And he's like, I'm not. And people, and then when Chappelle would do, or when uh, Trump would do bad stuff, people would text him. be like, yo, what's up with your boy Trump? What's going on with your f***ing boy? And he's like, he's not my boy. Like, I was just saying we should give him a chance. Now he's not doing, we gave him a chance. It's not going well. We can be mad now. Yeah. And he said it was just hilarious because as soon as he said it, he became uh, an avid Trump supporter in the minds of everyone I'm because curious, what he said was I'm curious let's the, let him be president I want to sit down with the person who wrote that headline 
I really do. While they're writing it. The Vice one? No, no. The Dave Chappelle's pro Trump, for instance. Oh, got it. And I want to go as honest as you can. Let me in on your thought process right now. Do you know that you're that you're straw manning him? Are you aware or do you see this? Is this an error? Not an error because because perception is perception. Is this the way you're perceiving the situation or or are are you you thinking this will get me more clicks? I want to know at which point the the spin occurs. Because whoever's reading it thinks that that's well then 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 he's not your friends texting him yeah yeah. (laughs) what's up with your boy he's like i'm not i didn't vote for him i was just saying don't hate him yet now you can hate him don't it's hilarious i have a good transition all right well i'm gonna have to come back to the other one but i'm I'm sticking this is a good transition so with regards to when these things occur in our head i'm reading this book the righteous mind and i've I've referenced it to you a couple times but it's it's very interesting it's opened me up to a lot of i'm probably like 30 percent of the way through but is it's about how moral judgments and intuitions are made mm-hmm. and it starts from the principle which many books do which is you got your hind brain you got your top brain mm-hmm. your top brain does all the talking the speaking and the justifying and your hind brain makes all the decisions so a really useful way to think of it he gives you a number of analogies but is your top brain is your lawyer <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, and you did it you didn't do it you're gonna do it you're not gonna do it and you're or your press secretary you know for president trump when you talk to the press secretary you cannot change policy <laughs> Like they're just there to give you the story about why he's doing it and to justify as best they can, even when they look insane. I think the press secretary is perhaps the the best analogy. But if you're arguing with the press secretary, you're never going to change anyone's mind because Mm -hmm. the power is in the back. Yeah. And so that's that's the one thing. And it talks about all these moral intuitions, how they how first what happens, the decision is made. And then second, it's justified. And he does this with harmless taboos. He tells stories of uh, a brother and a sister who have a romantic night, and they're so close to each other, and they sleep together. They use a condom. She's on birth control. It brings them closer in the relationship. They never do it again. Is this morally deplorable? Mm. And a lot of people will say, yes. He does things with a man goes to a store, purchases a chicken to eat, has sex with the chicken carcass, cooks it, and eats it. No one knows. Is this morally deplorable? And what he finds is that people will say these things are deplorable. Mm -hmm. And then struggle with their press secretary will struggle to give a consistent reason why. And so he has a number of interesting questionnaires that are very good at teasing out that, listen, you've made this decision based on disgust, based on a, a, a reaction to it. But oftentimes your brain, when you find that you cannot find a principle, does not then float that information back down. It doesn't change its it, opinion. Not often. It just goes, I'm. Um, so, so for instance, with either example, you go, I think that's wrong. Yeah. Why do you think that's wrong? It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's not dangerous. Well, it's whatever. You yeah, know, just blah, blah, well, blah, wait, blah. She might get pregnant. Well, well, no, I said that wouldn't happen. And so, then eventually he goes, okay, so we've gotten rid of all your yeah. reasons why this is disgusting. So now do you think it's not disgusting? Not, not disgusting. No, do you think disgusting. it's morally wrong? Because you can say something's disgusting and say it's permissible. Morality is the domain of what other people should do. And... Some people he finds that actually the most educated people that he does independent. He goes to Brazil. He goes to India. He says it's so much less dependent on culture and so much more dependent on the level of education, whether or not their reasoning will change their permissibility if they declare it to be permissible, even though it's disgusting. So he found that he could get he was in, I believe, UVA, maybe even at UPenn doing a study. And he found he could get widely different answers by going three blocks west. Like, mm. the, just fascinating how how these moral concepts— How does it skew? Education helps or hurts? Education helps your top brain 
override your hindbrain in terms of saying, I don't like it, but I'll permit it. But, and this isn't the end of the story, he found that as he did go, there's a number of different ethics in different cultures. So the one that we're used to is the ethic of harm. And the way that you think of everything is you have first, first you have your gut reaction. I hate that. I don't like that. Then your brain goes and tries to come up with reasons. But if you can't come up with a reason where someone is harmed, you might actually backtrack. As he goes to different cultures, he goes to India, he finds that they don't have ethics of harm. They have different ethics. In India, he argues that they have an ethic, at least this one area, an ethic of divinity, which is to say cleanliness matters. You see this in the, in the Old Testament where how you wash things is, is not just a recommendation. It's a moral thing you have to do. He finds in other communities, they have an ethic of community which is based on respecting your dad. You know, should you call your dad by his first name? If you ask an American that, you know, is that a bad thing? Uh, maybe I wouldn't do it, but no moral problem. You go to India or some other culture, that's a moral offense. Mm. You, can, you can be punished for that and should be punished for that. So what he finds, and I think this is one of the more interesting things, I'm still getting to this point in the book, is that morality is not universal. And it arises similar to the way that our skin pigment is different colors based on our circumstances. So when he was in India, he's like, I got the ethic of divinity because everything is dirty. Mm. And so when you enter into someone's house and you don't take your shoes off after walking in streets full of poop, that that hits you in a in a visceral, not recommended. And even if I when I came back to the States, I felt it. I felt like I got to take my shoes off. Uh, you know, there's sanct there's inner sanctums. Nobody goes in the inner sanctums. You don't touch certain people in India, and that's a moral thing. You don't mix with with certain castes of people. And what he what he is, I believe, about to make the argument for is that your morality arises in the context of what is a good way to organize our community given our circumstances. And it is not, in fact, based on any sort of reasoning or, you know, God handed down some edicts. It's just a way to get people to do what you want. Not society needs them to do to to work harmoniously or good enough to survive, which I thought was interesting because I've always held this ethic of harm as better than the ethic of divinity. You know, caring about if people aren't hurt is so much more important than caring about if stuff is clean. And it really kind of knocks you down a peg and goes, I don't know that I have grounds on which yeah. to independent grounds on which to make that distinction. Sure. I've seen your apartment, though. It makes sense. That, <laughs> your, that, that really reflects in your life. Dude, the ethic of divinity is coming into my apartment right now. <laughs> Can you imagine? It would be. <laughs> I There's would, food everywhere, but no one's ever been hurt. I'd be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be in jail if the ethic of divinity were in. I don't know. If, but so, so we got that. Let me see if there's anything else. Moral dumbfoundedness. The other thing that I told you is people's reasoning takes time often to yeah, yeah. when when you are pre-committed. So you need to argue with someone, give them reasons, and step back so that their top brain can influence their emotions enough for them to come around, which is why, and I've seen this, when people are triggered, they cannot change their mind. It's, yeah. it, they cannot do it. it and, and you thinking that they're stupid for not being able to get there or you pounding down the door is just a lack of it's ignorance on your part there's nothing they can do right well, there you for even all said this you you love to dig your heels in yeah. and debate and so the best way to persuade you is to say something yeah and then just walk away and then come back an hour later yeah because in the moment you'll take any side of an argument that's not what the other person is saying mm -hmm. so you've mentioned that about yourself sure it's true of it's true of even people who don't love to debate 
and it's it you you need to calm down because that part of your brain is just so much stronger than your reasoning faculties mm. Uh, and it also makes the argument that reason. Which what about who the idea comes from, though? Because I feel like you say stuff that's well, controversial, and I'm willing to be like, "It's huge." Okay, I will listen to this. Versus if I saw somebody that I didn't huge. respect say it, I'd be like, "This is ludicrous." Of course, man. That's and is that good reason to judge one argument better no, than no, another? No, no. I'm just saying that you. Th that's an emotional thing. Yes. You have a when you like someone, and this is why, if you want to be persuasive, the best book that has been written was from 80 90 years ago how to win friends and influence people if someone likes you they can be influenced yeah if they dislike you they cannot be influenced for all intents and purposes and it's very hard what i'm trying to do is tease that out of myself and see okay where am i not allowing other certain ideas yeah. in because of the person that it's coming from but yeah totally man if liking is is critical to to influence uh Oh, and this is another one. They did a study of, they just wanted to see, this is one study, of college kids. And they'd ask, do you care what other people think of you? Mm. And some people said yes, some people said no. So they both brought them in, and they would have you talk into a microphone while a person in another room was rating how much they liked you. And in front of you, they would show you the rating 10, 9, 8. And, of course, they pre-programmed it to just, for some people, go up and for some people, go down. And they found the same exact reaction in both sets of people. Like, people... Do not like to not be liked, or yeah. at least college students it might be claiming, I don't care what other people think. But when you see seven, six, five as you're talking, like they panicked, their heart rate, they didn't like it at all. So, yeah, everybody cares what you think of them. Do you want to hop in with one or should I just keep going? No, no, that's pretty – that's that's in line with my understanding of humans. Yeah. Uh, so I actually want to do a video, I think, perhaps in the future, on cognitive dis dissonance and moral dumbfoundedness. Yeah. Is that going to be the title? Strong title. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be a Thursday video. That'll oh, be I a guess Thursday. That's, we talked about that on a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, that'll Pro be a for you video. That's it for me. The one for them, one for me. <laughs> Pro Jared. Yeah. Pro Jared is a gamer. He and is. And, yeah, so there was... If you haven't heard, there was, and we didn't talk about it. He didn't uh, give his side of the argument. He was accused of a number of things. He's a guy with the YouTube channel. He was accused of uh, soliciting nude photos, soliciting nude photos from minors, or at least receiving them. He was accused of cheating on his wife by his wife at the time. And I believe he may have said, this isn't true, and then kind of disappeared for three months. Yeah. Well, he got, I mean, disappeared. He got lambasted, right? He got destroyed. He lost two or 300,000 subscribers, and... Man, every I, major YouTuber took a dump on him. I can't imagine. We just talked about that has to be gut wrenching. That's just a lot of people going nine, eight, seven, seven six, six, five, four, one, three, one, two, one, and one, watching one, your numbers and your livelihood yeah. and your in. And it's not just it's not just these fake numbers. It's uh, income must have been impacted as well. I'd be shocked. People that he knew, like okay, that's just a seven. That's a person you don't know. I'm sure he had people turn mm -hmm. on him. Oh, for sure. So. I, yeah, I don't know any of the facts. Apparently I know his wife turned on him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know any of the facts, but he comes back out and says, "Here's a read receipt. These were for people of uh, above age. There were no minors." He goes through and, in his own way, that that people have found convincing, debunks at least the two claims that that mm. there were minors that he or that he didn't check. And well, the uh, high level says that his wife and he had an open relationship. She knew all about the other relationships. Yep. She encouraged the other relationships. It wasn't cheating. It was actually very pushed by yeah. her. I don't know. Listen, I don't know either of them. And I haven't watched any of this stuff. Yeah. But his version of it is that this was highly supported. It, what's just incredible, and we've now seen this several times. We've seen the James Charles. We've seen the other thing. We've seen all these stories. 
and I don't know that people will ever learn. I hope they do. But nah. you don't think so? Ever or like next 12 months? Next 12 months. Nah. You don't think so? It's just too good to get excited about, man. It's it's like it if you're the so... judge and you hear the prosecution and you go, case closed. Yeah. I don't need to hear anything else on the other side. I don't know the truth of it, but don't you want to hear what the alternative viewpoint Dude, but it's is? It's just so juicy. It's so easy to get excited. It's so easy to yeah. hate the guy or to on the guy. Yeah. Like, nah, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think things will come up. People will react strongly. They don't get debunked. Or even if it doesn't get debunked, people react strongly and then just forget later. Mm -hmm. But nah, that's not going away. So H three, I told you a little bit about this. We can we can rehash. It did a. They had previously, I think, been very critical of of sure. Pro Jared on their podcast. And then I watched yesterday the follow up. And in line with this book that I'm reading, it's very hard to take a moral stance, receive new information, and switch it. And one of this is one of the reasons. Oh, I, I got you. You're saying this is his version of the the brother sister hooking up thing is well, that he, he like thought very... pro jared was bad he said pro jared was bad then new information came out and he's like well i, I already said pro jared's bad so pro and he bad. very publicly said it and so his only alternative would be to say mea culpa i did something not good so either he, either either i'm the bad guy or he's the bad guy and you, you can do that you could just say i i learned my lesson i overreacted and I won't in the future. You, there's a way to just come out and be like, I'm really sorry. Sure, easy to say, but tough in the moment. Because what it feels like is I'm the bad guy. Or, you know, hindbrain is going, I, I got to – this is the whole point of this book is that our brains did not evolve to seek truth. They evolved to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. Truth is – who cares? I need to stay alive. I need to keep sure – I need to make sure that my tribe likes me. I need to make sure that I'm not kicked out. I need to get what I need. So I'll cheat a little bit but not too much. And it's – really tough and he's live is the other thing so he says these things in the heat of a moment and then he's got to defend him in another heat of the moment and i watched it and i it in my opinion and i would like to speak to him though i'm a little guy on youtube so he might never talk to me i thought that it was it was really weak it was a very cognitively conflated argument he he repeatedly falls back on the fact that he's creepy he conflates uh the soliciting of of minors with adults and then when th and just gets louder and that's again a surefire sign of cognitive dissonance is when you have to it's not always when there's probably i should make a list of 10 and once you know five or six of 10 are hit but yeah it was five signs are winning an argument five signs the other guy starts getting louder yeah the other guy starts shouting but yeah it was tough to watch it was tough for me to watch him dig his heels in and sure. And just to be clear, we have no idea what happened or who was right or wrong. But you're just saying it's interesting that in the face of new information, he will not change his position. Yeah. To fall back on to on a creepy thing to, to, to fall back on. This is creepy. And also we've talked about this. There was the thing that he repeatedly said is that there's a power dynamic there, which is you're a YouTube creator. These are your fans and they want to get your attention and they want to impress you. And I think that's a misuse of the power dynamic argument. The power dynamic argument is for the workplace where they are not interested necessarily in a sexual relationship with you, but you control their livelihood and their finances. And you threaten to fire them or you imply or, or imply and you yeah. extort them. And there's this power dynamic. But there is a power dynamic in every single human relationship ever. Sure. Anytime. Any sends, sexual relationship. Anytime anyone sends a nude, it's because they're they want the your attention. Will... Yeah, when react. somebody says you at when you if you ask a woman or a man on a date they, and you say I'd really like to go they say maybe but you're gonna have to take me to this restaurant 
there's a power dynamic at sure. play. There's there's not till the third date is is there's a power dynamic at play. All of these things are occurring in normal human interaction, not fan to fan. Uh, and I would argue that with many beautiful people, they experience a, a power dynamic akin to a low level famous person. So to say that you shouldn't, nobody like is should get nudes or whatnot. I don't. I don't understand. The other thing is, it's a very cherry picked. You know, it's so creepy that he receives these. So creepy. So creepy. So creepy. Has he ever talked about Dan Bilzerian? Has he ever talked about the myriad athletes, myriad actors, myriad <laughs> everyone else who is receiving and soliciting nudes from their fans? It seemed like a case of really singling this guy out, and uh, I don't think it was fair. I think uh, I I do not know if if he if he did bad things. I'm not even commenting on that. I'm just I'm more interested in the thought processes that allow us to come to the conclusions yeah, yeah. that we that we come to. Well, the one thing. So again, I have just completely avoided all of this. But the one thing yeah. you said that I thought was interesting is that a lot of these people made videos about this guy, and none of them reached out to him, which is fascinating. That you can be a news channel. Yeah, H3, well, Phil DeFranco, whatever Well, we're not reaching out to H3, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't get his statement on this, and I and I understand that. I think that this is the difficult thing, which I will try to do, is to take a deep breath before I sit down in front of this microphone and recognize, do you have the whole story, or even have you heard the other person's side, and be very careful in my condemnation of others. That's what I will try to do, because I'm H, not going to reach out. Let's get H3 on the podcast. Please come. Yeah, dude. I'd love it. I want to go on your podcast, bruh. No, I'd love to talk about these things, and I'm a huge fan. So that that was a uh, it was a tough video to watch, though. I'm not gonna lie, I couldn't get all the way through it. I probably got twenty is a thirty minutes. I probably maybe got, he turns around. Maybe at the end he's, he's he very, was getting louder. I had to turn it off. He was getting more heated. Maybe he calms down at the end. He goes, I was just fucking around, <laughs> guys. This was I punked you, Charlie. Frank I was hoping for a Christmas. And here I am. Here I am making a video. Yep. Yeah, without complete information. So you know, I'm 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 the same as everybody else. Let's see. What would you do with $100 million today? I would live exactly the same life, but I'd hire a copywriter <laughs> and a CRO guy, and I'd stop doing marketing for Charisma. Nice. I don't think I'd change much else. I thought about it. I would stop making weekly videos. I would still make videos for the YouTube channel. This is what I was thinking about with the Shia LaBeouf thing. It's I'm not done with creation i'm not done with that at all uh what i am tired of is is a production line schedule mm -hmm. which is frustrating and i feel sometimes i put out videos that are that are almost there they're like they almost something really good yeah. and uh yeah it's monday it's got to go up have you considered just working harder on them? <laughs> no <laughs> because in this fantasy i have a hundred million dollars oh. okay oh, okay sorry <laughs> No, I thought so. I thought about this because you asked me this the other day. I don't know that a lot would change. Maybe I'd get a place in Malibu, so I'd be closer to surf. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I don't have aspirations for a boat or a plane or anything like that. Mm -hmm. No, me neither. I uh, that's I feel very fortunate to not think that any of that stuff is going to improve my life. With a hundred million, what would I do? Yeah, it would really change around my obligations. I would I would I would create more more videos that were for me and probably fewer views and more dog sitters for me I think. dog sitters 
More dog sitters. I would get a chef. Less time. I get a chef. Less time training my own puppy. That's what I do. I get a chef, and I was like, I would tell him, get me stuff that is as clean environmentally and sustainably as we can possibly go, and I'd have them on staff. But of course, then they'd be driving to my apartment just polluting. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be clean ever. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. And the last thing that I have here, and we can, if you want, you can riff on anything. People are gonna think have. we're so boring. They're like, no, he's. Guys wouldn't do anything with $100 million? No, I mean, here's the truth. We lived it. We did it. Uh, the things that you would want with $100 million in most cases is freedom, freedom from yeah. your job. That's why, I, that's why I wanted to quit and move to Brazil and wake yeah. up when I wanted you. Yeah. And we did it. And you know what's incredible about the travel thing is it does get old. It re there There is a home is incredible there's mm -hmm. there's something special about feeling home just like there's something special about being elsewhere and we got tired of being elsewhere <laughs> after a while uh so the last thing is uh, a friend of ours we were talking to him and he mentioned something which we've touched on but um, I, I think it's interesting is he was talking about his girlfriend and how she would come to him with problems Oh God! <laughs> and how one of the reframes that Tony Robbins suggests when some when a loved one, particularly he he talks about male female masculine feminine dynamics, and that the masculine is focused on problem solving and values that independence, and the feminine is focused on connection and uh, cooperation and it, it, just sharing emotions. This Almost, is, sorry, this is what Tony says. This, this is what, what Tony says. says. This is what, this Tony, what Tony says. says? Tony okay. says what he was saying to me, and the feminine also in this in his paradigm would be interested in sharing emotions almost almost regardless of their quality like if we can be sad together we can connect even though sadness is an mm. preferable emotion so what he was saying is you know sometimes if his girlfriend complains or is mopey that what he's trying to do is view that as an offering mm. as a gift uh, or at least that's what tony robbins recommends and my thought it's of a sick that gift i was like that seems to me to excuse one i don't know that that's even true or fair of all women but yeah it's kind of a lame gift <laughs> and maybe this is my masculine view of of something which i need to broaden my perspective but yeah we've, i'm curious what do you think i don't want that gift I'm good. <laughs> you know like if i have a birthday party and someone brings me sad news about their life that isn't urgent or something we can act on yeah that could wait till not my ever yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, what I think it's fine to be sad when sad stuff is happening. I think there's some people that become everyone has a go to emotion. And I think specifically a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. For me, it's nervousness or anxiousness. Some people, it's sadness. Some people, it's anger. And I think there are appropriate times to be sad. And I think if something tragic happened, someone I know's brother killed themselves and she came over that night and she was incredibly upset. And I was like, I'm here for you. You want to cry? You want to talk about your brother? You, whatever you want. But I think there is. There are other people who they'll just get sad about anything and they want to share it with you no matter what's happening. And so they'll find any YouTube video that's sad, not do anything to solve the problem that's making them sad, but want to show it to you and talk to you and connect with you on being sad or something really minor will happen and they will act like it's this huge deal. Mm. And I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't have friends like that. Like I like positive people. It's in all my dating yeah. apps. I want yeah. you to be positive and happy and smile and make me laugh. That's what I want for my friends and my family and the people I date. So I don't want that offering. Yeah. But I think there's a difference between being sad at times that warrant it and wanting support versus constantly creating problems because you like to connect over being sad. Sure. And that latter is that's a gift that you can give someone else. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think I feel similarly, but the, the higher order thing, which I notice, and it goes both ways, is that 
we've sometimes been conditioned to view experiences which in any other context we would move away from as uniquely special in our relationship so so what he said to me is like she trusts you enough to bring this to you and which is an incredible sign of trust and i've heard the phrase he loves you so much which is why he's so jealous and yeah Yeah, abusers (laughs) say that they they hit their girlfriends and they go I just love you so much. You make me so mad. Yeah, nah, bro. You have anger problems. Mm-hmm. That's why you're so mad. <laughs> like, and I and I I'm not certain. But what I'm trying to do is to recognize those those ingrained cultural beliefs about because because here's the truth. Most people are in relationships that regularly create negative emotions. They don't want to get out of the relationship. So their, their press agent goes to work and goes, how can I spin this? So it's a good thing. And you know, I'm jealous because I love and I, I am whiny because I connect and, and, and all of these things, which there's absolutely time to communicate jealousy. And to, I'm not saying that you need to lobotomize your brain and go, these emotions do not enter in my relationship. What I'm saying is that the tolerance and the space that we create for these for people to treat us in ways that we would consider poorly in any other context. Well, what I think is interesting is huge. What I think is interesting is that not everyone has infinite tolerance for everything. We all pick certain things. Yeah. So, for instance, some people, when their partner screams at them, that passion shows love. Mm-hmm. And other people, if they get screamed at, they're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't have an infinite tolerance for all bad behavior. Mm-hmm. But then the flip is when someone comes to you with a problem. Yeah. Some people will be like, Solve this yourself. I'm not your problem solver. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, this is what love is. Yeah, love yeah. is when you come to me and you feel vulnerable enough to share. And so what's interesting is that we, it's not that everybody who's dating has infinite tolerance for all bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It's that we all have something that we would not put up with from other people, but we gladly accept in our relationships. Mm-hmm. And then honestly, we seek those people out. Yeah. So that's, and that's then, what I think is interesting. It's not, well, it's I, not that everybody will just get walked over. It's that some people will get walked over in every relationship. Some people will get screamed at in every relationship Mm -hmm. and it's what they're looking for. Yeah. Well, here's the, and here's the crazy thing. You like it and you look for it. And at first when that person is uh, jealous or they complain a lot or they come to you with problems, which could otherwise be fairly easily solved. You love that for about maybe up to 18 months. Sure. And it feels great. Yeah. They're coming to me. They think I'm the, they think that I have the answer to this problem. They're trusting me with this issue and they think I'm strong enough to handle it. Yep for 18 months and then like this is uh this is what i've heard as well as personal experience with myself and friends has shown and then those things something happens and that person switches from i need to win them over and this is to this we're entering into a comfortable friend relationship and as you shift into that friend mode the standard by which i want you to behave shifts and all of a sudden, those things which I thought were so cute and brought us together are incredibly frustrating, yeah, yeah. and I want them to change. And what's that's, yours? What's your What's your thing that you put up with? Sadness, sadness, and problems that I can help solve. So not anger. Someone screams at you. No, no. And you know what? I never get. No one's ever angry because I, I, if they have been, it, the relationship ends very quickly. Them, yeah. yeah. So I. So well, actually, I've seen I've seen some of your girlfriends get mad, and I think they see the bad react they see that you don't react well to it mm-hmm. and then they learn actually it's to rare go with sadness. it's very rare yeah and so sadness sadness and problems that i can solve even when they're so easy to google or something else i really like early on and then at some point i'm can you just google this <laughs> can you can you go inside what about you i don't know i liked i i something i'm working on is not wanting a partner that just adores me but that's a positive mm-hmm. i liked 
I liked when someone was obsessed with me and adored me and thought I was perfect and really romanticized me mm. and idolized me. That's something that I always really liked. But that's not really a negative per se. But, but you, well, would you accept that in a friend? Do you not idolize me? <laughs> this is awesome. Can you cut the feed, please? <laughs> no, do you? Would I? I yeah, honestly, dude, I think. I, so I think would we, you like that in a friend? Yeah, I think we had that in Brazil round one. I think. I think okay. we had people who thought we were the most charismatic people they'd ever met. Sure. Thought that we were visionaries and you know uh, yeah i think okay. we have friends that we quite enjoyed when they yeah held us in very high esteem yeah 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 and then uh, we blew that <laughs> yeah now they just think we're people man with flaws <laughs> let us know about this one it was a different podcast but let us know if i hope you liked it yeah hope you liked it peace when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.